Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast. Equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to share with you a talk from Refresh Network Online. Refresh Network Online is our online network for leaders and their spouses. We meet twice a month and enjoy a talk followed by time spent together in small groups sharing and praying with others in similar situations. If you'd be interested in this service, please visit our website www.livingleadership.org or email support at livingleadership.org. The following message was given earlier this year by Bishop Ken Clark. We do hope it's an encouragement to you today. Philippians 4, 10-19 I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To be with you all this morning, Uh, for me it is privilege, privilege, privilege. You know, when we meet together as leaders in God's church, it is holy ground. And thank you, Marcus and Paul, for the invitation to participate today and to meet with you on this holy ground. Um, I wonder, have you been suffering from the doom of Zoom in the past year? I know many have, and uh, I was with a leader recently, and I know this will not happen this morning, I trust, or maybe I'm being a naive Irishman, But have you ever noticed in Zoom that sometimes people are bowing their heads and we assume that they're making notes of what you're saying or themes of the uh, conversation? Well, this leader I was with, do you know what he has accomplished during some or many of the Zoom meetings he has been on? Just have a look at this. Isn't that incredible? It's painting by numbers. And so he said it was just great because people thought I was making notes, but 
he said, I was really enjoying this creative activity. Now, as I say, I'm sure none of you would be doing that, but if you do, would you please send me a photograph of it and uh, I will enjoy it and use it as a visual aid in the future. I think without a doubt, there are some words of the apostles Paul here that very much relate to the times we've been going through. Even that one verse 14 that we've just heard in Philippians 4, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Isn't it incredible to meet people who naively seem to convey to others that being a Christian, being a leader, means that we somehow are totally devoid of troubles. What utter nonsense. Here is Paul, as he always is, being totally and refreshingly honest with the Philippians that he's writing to and with the wonderful Christians in this great church in Philippi. He acknowledges troubles. And I think in leadership, we need to do the same. One of the most helpful things in leadership is to be totally honest. Obviously, we will share more deeply with some close and trusted friends, but it is vital that we're honest. And I would just encourage us all when we break out into our breakout groups later, let's be honest with each other. Preachers often have three main points. I have two main points this morning, and I want to focus on what we see in the Apostle Paul, a faithful leader. And one of the marks of a faithful leader is a faithful leader depends totally on Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me strength. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ. Now please remember, Paul is talking in this passage about a whole variety of contrasting circumstances. And yet he's saying, putting it in our jargon today, no matter what I face, no matter what comes my way, I actually can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether it's endless Zoom meetings, whether it's a coronavirus pandemic, whether it's losing a loved one through this, whether it's suffering myself or being with someone who's suffering from long COVID, Paul is saying, whatever my circumstances, I can make it through this. How? Why? Through the power of Christ who gives me strength. Honestly, this morning, do we ever feel weak, inadequate, helpless, discouraged, as well as encouraged? We just feel, honestly, we've reached our limits. We haven't the emotional or mental or physical strength just to keep going. One pastor said to me recently, and I quote, I just don't know if I can keep going. I just don't know if I can keep going. And the reality is he was physically and emotionally exhausted. St. Paul knew all about that. Just read his letters, read the Acts of the Apostles, read what he just writes to these Philippians. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, 
one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, where he says again, openly and transparently to the Corinthians, you know, when I came to you, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1, I didn't come with eloquence and superior wisdom. No, I determined, I resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and with much trembling. Now there's real honesty. I remember years ago when I, one of the first times I met one of my brother-in-laws, he was only about eight or nine years old, and he read the Bible reading in church one Sunday morning when I was there. And I said to him afterwards, Nudge, did you feel nervous doing that? Well, he said, Fanta, I felt very soft in my knees. Have you ever known that feeling? Of course you have. We all know that weakness and fear and trembling that St. Paul is talking about. But yet, his secret was, even in that, and all the inadequacy, he knew the power of Christ who gave him strength. In November, in the year 2000, I was elected to my surprise and the surprise of so many, a bishop in the Church of Ireland. And one of our traditions in Ireland is that if a rector of a parish or a vicar, as you may call them in England, is elected a bishop, that parish gives them what we call a pectoral cross. I want to just a Celtic cross, this is it, I wear it every day, but I also ask that on the reverse side of this, a text would be printed, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, to remind me for the rest of my life that our ministry, God's call in our lives, is to preach Christ and him crucified. And we will do that out of our weakness, out of our fear, out of our soft knees, out of our feelings of inadequacy, but we will do it in, the God, in God's power so that people's faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of men or the eloquence of people, but it rests in the power of God. And I think Paul is picking up this same theme here in Philippians chapter four. He's saying, no matter what my circumstances, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was just, I just read in the last couple of days, and I've never come across this before in preparing for today, that in an old translation of the New Testament by a man called Charles B. Williams, some of you may be aware of that translation, on a footnote at the bottom of his translation, at the, on the bottom of the page where he translates Philippians 4.13, the footnote says this, and I quote, I have power for all things, through him who puts a dynamo in me. Folks, that is a gospel truth. There is a dynamo inside each one of us. There is a divine power pack inside of us. So as we move out of this coronavirus time, as we move into further uncharted waters, let's move into that time, into this new era, knowing that the power of God is made perfect in our weakness. He is with us in this, friends, whatever it is we are facing in our own lives at this time. I remember in one of the places where we lived and served, I remember crying out to God for the people that God had called us to love and serve. 
my wife was away, I was on my own in the house. And uh, I remember I was playing in the kitchen of our home, that great song, Blessed Be Your Name, in the land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. And I have to be honest and tell you, I was crying out to God for the people he'd called us to serve, that something would happen in the lives of these people, that the gospel would be released and lives would be changed. And the tears were streaming down my cheeks, honestly, because I just felt so inadequate. And I was longing to see some kind of breakthrough. And do you know what meant so much to me in singing by faith the words of that song? Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. And let's be honest, sometimes in Christian leadership and ministry, we do feel as if we're in the desert place. We're in a wilderness. But let us learn to do what St. Paul did and rejoice in the Lord always and bless his name. Every blessing you pour out, I will turn it back to praise. And even when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be your name. And then the writer goes on, blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Wasn't that exactly the experience of Jesus, our Lord? He walked the path of suffering, but he did the will of his Father. Wasn't that the path that St. Paul walked? Originally Saul of Tarsus. Isn't that what we see again and again and again when we read the history of the church? Take one of the most famous missionaries of all time, William Carey, often referred to as the father of modern mission. Many people never have a clue about the hardship he experienced in his own personal life in India. Peter, his five-year-old son, died. I think one of the hardest things in life ever to experience is the death of a child. The child goes before you do as a parent. His five-year-old son, Peter, died. Dorothy, his wife, suffered severe mental illness, and she too died. William remarried. His second wife died. His books were destroyed in a fire. I don't know about you, but if the house I lived went on fire, I'd rescue the family first and my books second, I can tell you. The books mean a lot. Just imagine what that meant. Endless hours of Bible translation work that he had done. It was all burned in the fire and he had to start all over again. If anybody knew about troubles, William Carey did. And yet look at how God used him to be a blessing to so many then and a blessing to so many now in the year 2021. And this is the reality of Christian leadership. This is the reality of Christian discipleship. And this is what Paul is talking about here. You know, you shared with me in my troubles. So one of the supreme marks of a faithful leader is that we are people who depend on Christ. Totally, utterly, wholeheartedly, we depend on Christ. Secondly, 
a faithful Christian leader is content in Christ. Uh, look at verses 11 and 12. Paul writes, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I wonder, would you agree with me if I made the statement, we live in an age of discontent. I've been reading a fascinating book recently called The Lonely Century, and it's all about the loneliness experienced by so many people uh, at this time right across the world. But many would argue, too, there is a, a widespread discontentedness in life. People are restless, anxious, fragile, tense. When I was a teenager in the 1960s, and oh dear, I'm embarrassed now when I even think of it, but one of the most famous songs of the Rolling Stones was I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Let me tell you, as a 12 and a 13-year-old boy, I honestly had no idea what that song was really about. And to this day, I'm embarrassed thinking of how I sang that so enthusiastically to my uncles and aunts that I could get no satisfaction as a 12-year-old boy, not having a clue what I was singing about. But didn't the Rolling Stones hit on something? No matter how much people had, no matter how decadently they lived, they still couldn't find satisfaction. And one of the most famous Beatles songs and the Beatles were so popular when I was a teenager. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? No fulfillment, no satisfaction, no sense of deep, meaningful community or relationship. A former US president, Benjamin Franklin said this, Content, contentment makes you rich, discontentment makes rich men poor. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, said contentment is a rare bird. And here we have the Apostle Paul, and remember he's a prisoner when he writes this. He's in chains, and he's saying, I have learned to be content. He says that not just once, but twice in these verses. There is such an important principle here. It's a learning process to be content in Christ and we all have our L plates on. Jill Briscoe, the wife of uh, Stuart Briscoe wrote some time ago, one thing we should avoid as best we can is wasting too much energy trying to figure out the whys. But that's impossible, I hear you say. I have so many questions. Perhaps you could just ask God a different question, she, she suggests. How about asking how? instead of why. Now, I partially agree with Jill Briscoe. I think it's very good to ask why. God has given us minds to think with, and it's hugely important we ask why. But it is also important, and she's dead right on this, to ask how. Do you remember Mary's question when the angel Gabriel visited her, told her she, a teenage girl, unmarried, was going to have a baby? 
you remember her response? But how will this be? How will this be? For I am only a virgin. And you remember the angel's reply? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Friends, as you and I face personal struggles, deep disappointment in our own lives or in the lives of our family, and we've been going through this as a family in the last few days with the unexpected death of a close relative and the imminent death of another very close relative. How do we get through this? Well, Mary gives us the answer as she listens to the Gabriel. The power of the most high will overshadow us. St. Paul gives us the answer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is a dynamo within me, and because of him, I can learn to be content. And I wonder, do some of us need to ask ourselves the question, how, as well as why? Maybe we're focusing too much on the why. Let's remember God's wonderful promises. This prisoner is in chains, deprived of his freedom, and yet he's probably the freest person in that location. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come upon the Apostle Paul, and he is content. He knows fine well. He may be eaten by lions, he may be killed by a sword, but he's content and he has learned to be content, whether he has lots of food to eat or nothing to eat, in contrasting situations. You and I live in very different circumstances and situations, but I really mean this, are we learning to be content in Christ? Or are our lives marked by moaning, groaning, grumbling, discontent? Somebody who had a big influence on me in the early years of my ministry was David Watson, very gifted Bible teacher and evangelist. And some of you may know he died as a young man and he died of cancer. And in the last year of his life, he wrote a book that I think is a brilliant book. If you've never read it, get hold of it. It's called Fear No Evil. And as he was living with his cancer, he wrote this. And in that, question, in that book, he writes this, the questions are endless if we ask why. Instead, we should ask the question, what? What are you saying to me, God? What are you doing in my life? What response do you want me to make? With those questions, we can expect an answer. I think that's brilliant. Whatever your circumstances are at the moment, whatever mine, let's learn not just to be content, but to ask ourselves the question, Lord, what are you saying to me in this? What, what are you speaking into my lives, life? What is it I need to learn? And I think a hugely important principle here, folks, for us personally in our leadership is what filters are we using to grasp and understand our circumstances. You see, St. Paul really believed what he wrote. 
as you know, Romans 8, he wrote to the Romans, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He didn't just write that, he believed it. And here in this prison, as he writes to the Philippians, he believes this, all things work together for good. You know, many of us would have been totally crushed and overwhelmed by what St. Paul was experiencing, but he was resilient. There is no rust in his trust. He is staying steady, depending on Christ, content in Christ, even in horrendous circumstances. He said exactly the same in Philippians chapter one, if you look back to it, Philippians one verse 12, he says, now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So here he is a prisoner in chains, but he sees it positively. You know, the two men behind prison bars, one sees mud and one sees stars. He sees this as an opportunity for the gospel. He says he's been able to reach the Praetorian Guard. He's been able to witness. He's been able to share the gospel with people he couldn't before. And more than that, he says, it has encouraged other believers to be more courageous in their witness and share their faith. Do you see what he's doing? He's looking through kingdom filters to understand his circumstances. And one of the things I think, friends, that is vital for us in Christian leadership and in our own personal walk with God is what filters are we using? You see, if I put on my sunglasses, suddenly you've all become dark. That's the filter I'm using. But oh, you look completely different now when I use the normal glasses. The filters we use are vitally important. So are you and I looking through kingdom lenses at our present circumstances and situations? Or are we looking through lenses and filters that are actually self-focused and self-centered and self-seeking? I have learned so much from the Apostle Paul in this. You see, if you think about it, he didn't do this, but he could. He could have blamed others. Have you ever find that's a temptation in Christian leadership, the blame game, we, we could have blamed, we blame the devil. You know, for those who work with animals, they know very well there's a, an illness or a disease called BSE. There's a serious BSE disease in the church and it's called blame somebody else. And sometimes as leaders, we do that. We blame somebody else, we blame the devil, but actually we need to look at these things through different filters. Paul could have wallowed in self-pity. He didn't. He sees the opportunities for the gospel in this. He didn't wish he was somewhere else. He could have. And as you and I move into this new era, having gone through a year, over a year now of a total difference with the pandemic that's being experienced right across the world, do we see the opportunities? Are we using kingdom filters the way Paul is here? Because that is what God's desire is. Um, with this, I finish because the time is gone. Recently, in my own personal devotions, I was reading in the book of Numbers. And do you ever find sometimes in your Bible reading, it's as if there's an exorcet missile comes from heaven? Well, that happened. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. 
and you know the passage as well as I do. And God is speaking about Caleb. And he refers to Caleb as a man with a different spirit. A man who wholeheartedly follows the Lord. And friends, I honestly believe, I believe this passionately. God is looking for people today in the church and looking for leaders in the church today who are men and women with a different spirit, who follow him wholeheartedly. And that's what we see in this passage in Philippians 4 about the Apostle Paul. Like Caleb, he's a man with a different spirit. He's following his God wholeheartedly. He's standing firm. He's staying steady. He's depending on Christ and he's content in Christ. And he's seeing the opportunities for the gospel. May you and I wear those same filters and be people like Caleb and the Apostle Paul of a different spirit. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can do all things through you who gives us a dynamo, who gives us strength. Lord, whatever our circumstances at this time, help us to depend on you and know more and more of your presence with us. Lead us now, I pray, as we share together in the precious and powerful name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you're encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice to help others find us. If you'd like to engage further with us on anything we've discussed today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on any major social media application at Living Leaders or you can visit our website www.livingleadership.org where you'll find even more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Blessings. Blessings.